Wednesday evening for our midweek uh, Bible study, and uh, we're so glad to have you tuned in. Uh, we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, so if you'd like to open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to share a message entitled, A Foundation of Love, The Foundation of Love. Now, this great chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, is uh, identified as the great love chapter. And uh, you'll be able to see why as we read through it. Uh, the focus and the intention of the, the whole chapter is about love that's really an agape type of love, a love that is a sacrificial love. And so we want to consider the foundation of love tonight in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 in uh, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, and of course we know the word charity is the word love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaulteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Uh, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things." For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Foundation of love. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're so thankful to, to be together tonight to be able to study the word of God. It is precious to us. And certainly uh, in the troubling days in which we live, we're mindful of the fact that God still loves us. And uh, we can have a, a, a deep, abiding love for one another. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us understand the Word of God, uh, help us to make sound applications of the Word to our life this evening. And uh, may we be able to walk away from this Bible study uh, with a sense of uh, understanding and comprehending just how much you love us. And so, Lord, speak to us in a great way. I would pray if there's someone that's listening that's never been saved, uh, I pray they might be able to enter into this relationship with a true and living God uh, because of the love that was extended to them through Christ dying on Calvary. 
And so, Lord, bless the preaching of the word of God tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text verse is verse 13. <clears throat> it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. It's a wonderful thing to see that Paul sums up this chapter identifying great three great disciplines or principles in the Christian life. He identifies the principle of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, for they that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so how important it is for us to have faith. And then certainly hope. Uh, we know 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that we have a lively hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so now great discipline and principle by which we live is faith that gives us the ability to please God and hope that gives us the ability to trust in God. And then he says charity or literally agape, which means to have a sacrificial love. And he states that of these three principles that we experience in our Christian life, of those three, the greatest of those three is love. And uh, it's amazing to think that uh, many people talk about love. However, they really do not truly understand what the meaning of love is. As Paul began the chapter uh, speaking about love in verse 1, he says, "...though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity..." I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And so without love, uh, you don't have any music. There's no music. It's just making noise. And uh, there's certainly the secular world has their love songs that they sing, but it does not uh, uh, speak in reference to the foundation of what love is all about. And that's a love that comes from Christ Jesus to us. And so if all I'm doing is just speaking in tongues of men and angels and, and trying to live my life and I have no love or concern for others, uh, being connected with others as God connects with us, everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm acknowledging, everything that I'm revealing in my conversation is just making noise. It means absolutely nothing. So no music. Without love, there's no music. Without love, according to verse 2, there's no value. It says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have uh, not charity, I'm nothing. Oh, you know, people can go around and boast about the great things they've done for God, and people can go around and boast about the great faith they have. They've seen miracles take place in their life, but they have no sacrificial agape love for others and certainly are not expressing an agape love towards their God who saved them and delivered them. Just as there is no music, there is no value, there is no worth to that individual's life and their uh, certainly ministry that they would boast about. And then, just as there's no music and no value, there's no profit. In verse 3, it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the, full, the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And so without this type of agape love, this type of sacrificial love that Paul is speaking about here, in this chapter, there's no music, there's no value, and there's no profit. 
So don't boast about all that you're doing for Christ and living your Christian life if you're not demonstrating the love of God uh, that's been shed abroad in your heart. Uh, don't try to boast about your abilities or talents and gifts and skills in order to be able to do ministry if you can't show forth the love of God to others. And so the foundation of love. As we read, many things will fail in our life, but love never fails. That's what it says in verse 8. Charity never faileth. So why do we have these three identified? Those that abide with faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love because love never fails. My faith will fail me. There will be times when I don't live a real strong life of faith. There may be doubts that will come in my life, things I may experience, uh, hope. I may get into a point of despair where I've lost hope. But there is never a time where I'm absent from the love of God that has been expressed to me. There's never a time when you... Uh, will not be able to experience the love of God in working in your heart and in your life. And so love never fails. That's why it's the greatest of those three. God's love includes goodness. It includes mercy. It includes sympathy. Very interesting ver word in the scriptures that talks about God uh, speaking in reference to us as being Pity, showing pity on us. That's the mercy of God that shows sympathy towards who we are and what we are and what our needs are. God's love encompasses a concept of understanding and comprehension. Uh, God's love now deals with the grace that has been extended to us. And when you talk about the love of God, the love that never fails. I mean, it literally abides in every aspect, in every nook and cranny of our very emotional being of who we are. And so love never fails. Human love involves affection and strong personal attachment to one another. Well, God's love to us is affectionate. And God's love towards us is an attachment to us. He is willing to call his call us his people. He is willing to identify with us as his people that have been washed by the blood of the lamb. The love that God has extended to us is affectionate and it's life-changing because it attaches who he is to who we are. And so love never fails. us. So God's love combined with our love, our love, develops meaning and purpose in our lives. Many a person struggles with meaning in life because they haven't connected with the love of God. Many people struggle with this concept of having purpose in life. What is my life all about? And because they have not experienced the love of Christ that never changes, that ever abides with us, they have no meaning and they have no purpose in life. But it's the love of God, the agape, sacrificial love of God that gives us meaning and worth and value and purpose and direction in our life. Franklin Graham said this, No matter what storm you face, you need to know that God loves you. He has not abandoned you. And, 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 and it's an alarming thing how quickly this mindset develops in us that, 
when some tragedy or some difficulty comes in our life that we think that God is not present. We think that God is not for us. We think that God cannot strengthen us and bless us. But there's never a storm, however big or however small, however personal or however much removed from you, there's never a storm where God has abandoned you because his love is an abiding, enduring love, and it's greater than faith and hope. These three, the greatest is charity. C.S. Lewis said this, Though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. You know, God's love is not the ebb and flow of the tide of the ocean. God's love is steady, secure, and abiding in the believer's heart. And so we try to assess God's love for us based on how our love is. As uh, Brother Anthony was saying there about we have a tendency to be selfish as human beings. And because we are selfish, we have a tendency to evaluate whether somebody loves us or not based on whether they're doing what we expect them to do and how treat us the way we expect them to treat us. But that's not the way God's love is. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God's love doesn't kind of ebb and flow with the moving of the tides of the ocean or with the emotional distresses that we experience in our life. God's love is, is steady, secure, and ever abiding in the heart of the believer. So the foundation of love. I want to look at I don't know how many things here, three or four anyway, about the foundation of love. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Uh, laid the foundation here in our uh, introductory remarks of the message. Now we want to build on those thoughts and help us to understand the foundation of love. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. Matthew 22, 37. Well, I still hear some pages turning, so I'll wait for you to get there. Not really. Uh, I can't hear where your pages are turning. If that's true, then you got a, low, a strong microphone in your house. Amen. But anyway, uh, the foundation of love is this. It begins with the Lord. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. The second is uh, like unto it. Thou shalt love the, thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so the foundation of love is it always begins with the Lord. And so we must experience God's love. First John 4.10 says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation is an interesting word. It means appeasement. And so here's what love is. Man wasn't walking around talking about how much he loved God and, and acting based on his love for God. When man didn't love God, God loved us. And he showed how he was satisfied with us by his love that was demonstrated in Christ coming and dying on Calvary. So we experience the love of God through the, not through our beginning this concept of love, 
But we experience God's love based on the fact that God is the one who initiates this emotional connection with us through the sacrifice of his own son. Here in his love, not that we love God. No, that he loved us. And he sent his son to be that appeasement, that propitiation for our sin. And that's why he could look at us and see us in our sin and still love us. Because it was the sacrifice of Christ that enables us to experience God's love because Christ died for us when we were sinners. And because he died for us when we were sinners, God is satisfied to take us unto himself that we are his own. And so we experience God's love. In 1 John, we're going to stay in Matthew here, just keep your finger there. But in 1 John uh, chapter uh, 5, in uh, verse 3, tells us about this demonstration of God's love. John helps us understand this. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. So just as important it is, is to understand the foundation of love is that it begins with the Lord... Because he exercises love towards us before we even know how to love. But it also begins with the Lord because he has provided a way for us to demonstrate to others what it is to experience the love of God. And so the love of God is that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. The word grievous there means burdensome or difficulty, difficult in, in responding to. No, because he has showed how much he loves us, it is a natural response to say that I'm going to love him. And I've been going to show my love for him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments in John chapter 13. And so uh, we want to demonstrate God's love. I say, I love my wife. How do I show my love towards my wife? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so Christ sacrificed himself for the church. And so I show my love towards my wife by living out the character of Christ that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did he do? He died on the cross to appease a holy God to be able to deliver a sinner like me and a sinner like you. And so husbands demonstrate the love of Christ by obeying what God has said for them to love their wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. But wait a minute, ladies, you're not off the hook. Wives are supposed to what? Submit themselves unto their husband as unto the Lord. You say, why should I do that? Because Christ has demonstrated what love is when he obeyed the Father and lay down his life on Calvary. And he said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And so it's a natural response for the church, the bride of Christ, to submit to the authority of Christ and show our love towards Christ through that submission. Just as important it is for a man to show his love for his wife through the sacrificial offering of himself for his wife. And so the foundation of love, it begins with the Lord. By experiencing that love and by demonstrating that love, but also by giving the Lord our first love. 
That's why I told you to stay there in Matthew chapter 22. Because in verse 37, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And so you give the Lord your first love. The priority of love in our life is Jesus Christ. You know, the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 was rebuked of the Lord. And the reason why they were rebuked of the Lord, he said, because thou hast left thy first love. The challenge to them was to be zealous and repent, therefore. And so the, the heart of the believer is to be focused on Jesus Christ. He is the priority. Often do marriage counseling, and I do marriage counseling, and I deal with this whole thing of priorities in the believer's life in the Christian home. And uh, each, the husband and the wife, both, the priority in their life is their love for Christ. And the reason for that is my love for my wife, nor my love for our children, or our love for our church, or our love for this lost sinner, our love for all those things in life cannot be managed if our love for Christ is not right. And when our love for Christ is right, then everything else falls in line. So we're to love the Lord with all thy heart. The heart is what we know in the scriptures as being the seat of understanding. Romans 10, 9, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so the heart of understanding, I understand the love of Christ because of the fact that he offered himself on Calvary and so the seat of my understanding, the, the being of who I am, my heart is consumed with this concept that God loves me that deeply that everything that I want to comprehend about life and relationships is based on the love of Christ for me and me loving him back first and foremost. So it's a seat of understanding. It's the surrender of your will. We're supposed to surrender our will uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable. And he goes on in verse 2 in reference to speaking and about us discerning the will of God. If we're not willing to surrender ourselves completely, uh, to the will of God, then he doesn't have our whole heart. I don't know what the will of God is for your life, but I know this, he does have a will for you. I certainly can comprehend and experience an understanding heart, the seed of my understanding, this, the, the reality of the person who I am, being willing to surrender my life to the uh, will of God uh, because I love the Lord. And because I love him, then it doesn't matter. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And that price was the sacrifice of Christ. And because he has sacrificed himself for me and showed me what the love of God is, then it's, then it's an easy process for us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And so it's an easy experience to know that I can comprehend who God is and I can discern what the will of God is for my life because I know this, if God loves me that deeply, there is nothing he would direct my life to be or to do that would harm me or hurt me in any way. And so we're to love the Lord with all of our heart. 
And uh, not only is the heart the seat of understanding and the surrender of our will, but is the center of our being. And so you are, you know, the, the, what is it was in the scriptures that tells us uh, out of the abundance of the heart a man speaketh. And so your heart is who you are. Colossians 1.9 says, For this cause we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so the very essence of who we are is based on the love of Christ. Why can we live the Christian life and be successful in the Christian life? Because of the enduring, abiding love of Christ. These three things, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these three is love. Because that love of God never changes, and it's an enduring, abiding love in us. And so, begins with the Lord. We can experience God's love. We can demonstrate God's love. We can give the Lord our first love in reference to all of our soul but in verse 37 in Matthew 22, it tells us too, and with all thy soul, with all thy soul, what we understand about the soul, the soul is our living powers. It's your character. Uh, are you willing to stand for Jesus Christ? So when we love the Lord with all of our soul, with every being that I am, I'm going to live out my life for the glory of God. He has my, not just my heart, but he has my soul. And so uh, it's a seed of affections and desires. In John chapter 3, we often quote chapter 3 and verse uh, 16, but in verse 19 kind of summarizes that chapter, chapter 3 and uh, verse 19 tells us, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, the soul of man enjoys darkness. The soul of man without the love of God uh, is not comprehending the light. The soul of man, the basic powers of who he is, the character of who he is, is that he doesn't want anything to do with God. So for the unsaved, it's hard for them to understand what it means to love that is an abiding, enduring love because of the fact they have not experienced the love of God in their heart yet. And Christ hasn't captured their soul. But if God's got your soul and you're going to love the Lord as your first love, then your heart and your soul and Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 and your mind will be consumed with Christ. He is the priority of everything that you are and everything that you experience. Uh, your mind is your intellectual powers. That's why 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so my intellectual powers, it is more important for me to know who God is and what God can do in my life than it is for me to know anything else in this world. I believe as a Christian, we can't live as an ostrich with our heads stuck in the sand, but I'm afraid that we have our heads and our minds stuck into the world far too long and far too deep to where we are not comprehending who Christ is. And so our thoughts are not the Lord's thoughts. 
our thought process is not how we can glorify God. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. We know this is the story of the rich young man that came to Jesus. He had much wealth. He wanted to know from Jesus, what do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? And uh, because he had many uh, riches, and Jesus tells him, keep the commandments. And he said, the commandments I have kept from my youth. He was boasting about his keeping of the commandments that were in the law of Moses. And so Jesus understood this, that his attention, his intellect, his business, his worldliness would overshadow the surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, okay, then sell everything that you have. Sell it all. Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. And this man went away sorrowing because he had great possessions. Does that mean we have to give away everything that we have and everything that we own in order to serve the Lord and live for Christ? No. Jesus was demonstrating where the mindset was in the heart of this young man. His mindset was not on God. His mindset was not on spiritual things. His mindset was simply to get a ticket into heaven. And Jesus confronted him with his unwillingness to love the Lord with all his mind. And so he tells him to sell everything you have, give to the poor, and he went away sorrowing. How much do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Does he have the priority in your life? Is he exalted and lifted up above everything? Is it more important for you to know what he has to say in his word? Is it more important for you to know what his will is for your life? Or is it more important for you to watch the next game? We can't watch many sports programs now. <laughs> is it more important for you to be involved in business? Well, we can't do much business now. Was it more important for you to be involved in a lot of entertainment? Well, I guess we can't do much entertainment now either, can we? Certainly it is an environment that God has established for us to be able to have an opportunity to put our love towards Christ again and love God how he desires for us to love him. The foundation of love. God wants total commitment with an outward demonstration of our love. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a sun house does not attract the sun because it's bright, but becomes bright because the sun shines on it. We don't, be, we don't try to be good to try to appease God's love and to get God's love. We have God's love. But because of the fact that we have God's love, then our lives are consumed with good works, showing forth a character of praise and worship and establishing the priority that everything about love that is holy and pure and right and life-changing begins with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it begins with the Lord. So the second thing I see 
is a foundation of love. It begins with the Lord, but it extends to others. Notice in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so the amazing thing is this, that if you have the foundation of love that God has showed his love towards you and you've experienced that love and you've demonstrated that love back to Christ, there is a natural response that your love for God is going to extend to others. And uh, God wants us to love others as we love ourselves. And uh, Luke chapter uh, 10, yeah, Luke chapter 10 and verse 30, if I can get over there, I'll read it for you. Amen. Acts chapter 10 in uh, verse 30. So as Jesus entered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that, that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to his ho the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever... Thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So what is love? Well, the foundation of love is, comes from God. He's the one that shows forth what real love is. Well, it goes beyond that. It extends to others. And what is that? You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. That means you reach out to people you don't know. That means you reach out to help in needs that they cannot take care of. That means you're concerned about their well-being and you're going to go above and beyond what is expected of you in order to make sure that person is healed and and uh, raised up and provided for. You know, Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven to come into this world and came to a poor, needy people that were sinful and rebellious against God. And he came into this world to purchase us and to save us. And God has showed his love towards us through Christ being offered on Calvary so that we might be able to show the love of God to someone else. There, listen, there's people that are hurting all across this country right now. There's people that are hurting in your neighborhood. There's people who have lost their jobs that you might be able to reach out to and be a help to. Instead of trying to go in and hoard meat and hoard toilet paper and everything else, wouldn't it be nice if people just went in and got stuff to give to somebody who doesn't have it? You know, the amazing thing is this. We're so worried about ourselves that we have forgot about that God 
has given us everything because he loved us. And we're supposed to not just love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, but we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that means we're to reach out and try to be a help to someone else. Foundation of love begins with the Lord and extends to others. I see this also. First Thess- I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 15. Love enables victory. And I'm thankful tonight that we can have victory through our faith in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we are in a spiritual battle. Be aware of that tonight. This coronavirus is not just a physical battle that we are fighting. This is a spiritual battle. There's all kinds of spiritual principles that are being broken by people in positions of leadership. There's all kinds of spiritual principles that are being violated by people who claim to be Christians. We are in a spiritual battle, and the devil wants to do whatever he can to rob you of joy, rob you of victory, rob you of hope, rob you of the love of God. But we, listen, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It is a spiritual battle that we are going to win. Uh, We are not on the losing side. We are on the winning side. And God has provided for us a way to be saved and delivered and to live in light of his uh, love so that we might have victory. So we're in a spiritual battle. We have victory in physical life. Uh, We have victory in physical life. In other words, we're not just looking for the victory that we're going to have when we get to heaven. I'm excited about the fact that I'm going to go to heaven. We're going to have great victory in heaven. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'd like to enjoy some victory right here. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Ye are uh, of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we know that we're more than conquerors through him who has loved us is because of the fact that Christ is stronger and Christ is greater than any physical need that we may have. God can provide for you. God can take care of you. God can give you victory. I remember Dr. Malone used to say, if God's got to make a turkey fly in and lay it on your table to feed you, he can do it. And I believe that with all my heart tonight, that whatever physically I need, God can take care of it for me and provide for me. He gives me victory. Well, spiritual battles are won through Christ's love. Physical life is enjoyed through Christ's love. And then this victory over life and death is because of Christ's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all be changed in a moment in twinkling of an eye at the trump last trump for the trump shall sound and the dead shall rise be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the same that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because Christ loves us. God loves us. The love of Christ never changes. It is abounding. And it is abiding in us. And because of that, we have victory in life and in death. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we can have victory in life and in death. Well, the last thing is this. That this foundation of love gives, begins with the Lord. It extends to others. It enables victory. And the final thing is this. It ends with eternal life. We're, you know, we're not temporary beings. We're, we're spiritual beings. We're eternal beings. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And so I'm thankful that this love of Christ ends with eternal life. How is that? By faith. John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There is eternal security in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. So the victory, the power that we have is to have faith to believe that, wait a minute, he's going to get us through all the way through onto the other side. We often sing, this, this world is not my home, I'm only passing through. We sing about that, but sometimes it's hard for us to live in the reality of that. We are going to eternity. We're going into heaven. We're going into the presence of God. And because of that, I can live by faith. So if I get sick, I can still have faith to believe if I don't make it through that sickness and I die, I am going to wake up into heaven. For the Christian, it is simply closing your eyes in death here and opening them in glory in heaven. Why? Because the love of God takes us all the way through into eternity by faith. And then I thought of this by his word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so no wonder the apostle Paul, when he talks about love, is so exact in saying, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And I want you to know tonight, the foundation of love is the fact that God loved you first. And because he loves you, he has given you an ability to love others. And because you love others based on the love of Christ that is in your heart, then you can have victory day by day. There are spiritual battles you have to fight. There are spiritual battles I have to fight. There's, there's physical experiences in life we have to fight and get over and get through. But Christ gives us the victory, and I'm sure of that because of the fact that he loves us so deeply. And beyond that, he leads us into everlasting life because of his ability to rise out of the grave. And so the foundation of love. Oh, there's faith, there's hope, there's love, but the greatest, the greatest of these is love. Now we're going to pray in a moment. Before I pray, I'd just like to encourage you to remember to go on our website ocbcministries.org and click on the tab that says our church and scroll down through that and you'll find a tab for our prayer sheet 
Uh, make sure you turn that on and look at that and take some time and pray for the folks that are on that prayer sheet. There are many on there that are not saved. It would be wonderful for you to take some time and talk to God and ask God to save their soul. There's others on there that are hurting right now. You could pray for God to give them comfort, give them peace. There's those that physically need healing. And I believe that God can heal. I've seen God do miraculous things in healing. So pray in faith, believing that these things will come to pass. How, how do you know that? Because God loves us. He loves us that much that he's willing to listen to our requests and listen to our supplications and to remove in light of the burdens that are on our hearts. So make sure you take time to pray tonight as you go through that prayer sheet. Be praying for our services this Sunday. Uh, we'll be having a 9.30 discussion panel, and then we'll uh, be doing a 10 o'clock preaching time, and then at 6 o'clock in the evening we have another preaching service. And so you'll be praying for this Sunday coming up. And uh, we just heard that uh, Governor Murphy has opened it up to be able to have drive-in church. And so you'll be praying with us as we press forward to try to do something on Memorial Day weekend on that Sunday where we can gather together in the parking lot and be able to have church together. Of course, we'll still be live streaming all the services. So you pray. You need to pray. We need wisdom. We need to have discernment. We love the Lord. I know you love the Lord. And I know this. God is pleased when we want to worship and praise him. So let's talk to God about these things so we can bring these things to pass. Let's pray and thank the Lord for our time together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together in church tonight. I'm thankful that the word of God is so powerful. I'm thankful for the love of Christ is so enduring. I'm thankful, Lord, that when everything else fails, when everything seems it falls apart, and it seems like uh, we feel alone, God, we're confident that your love is still abiding in us. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough to save us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to strengthen and bless us and enable us, Lord, to be a blessing to others. And so hear our prayers as we pray through our prayer sheet tonight. Uh, Lord, heal where healing is needed. Lord, save those that are lost and need to be born again. And God, I just pray that you would just bless us as a church as we try to uh, bring things together as we try to bring people together to be able to worship here at the church house. God, we want to honor and glorify the name of our Savior. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your love tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.